Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them that Locked On sent you. Your Locked On Maple Leafs. Your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs Podcast. One stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother from TSN's Overdrive. Give me up on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. If you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing to the podcast. Leave a rating and a review. That would be much, much appreciated. All right, we got a few things that we got to get to today. First and foremost, it's game day. Leafs taking on the Habs once again tonight down at the Scotiabank Arena. And uh, I'm going to be joined later in the show by Laura Saba and uh, and, and Scott Matla over from Locked On Canadians. We're going to kind of tee it up, talk about uh, the last game, and, and, and talk about what we think is going to happen uh, tonight and also going forward into Saturday. Um, but before we get there, there's a couple of, couple of notes that I want to chat about. The Maple Leafs, uh, there's some updates here on Freddie Anderson, on Nick Foligno. Um, Nash and Hyman have also returned to practice, so we've got some updates for you. And I also want to touch on this New York Rangers thing a little bit because uh, this story, even from last night, has taken a whole a whole nother turn. Um, so we'll we'll chat about that. But let's get to this Leafs this Leafs news first. Um, Freddie Anderson. Uh, apparently going to play tomorrow night, which I find to be interesting, not for Toronto Maple Leafs, but for the Toronto Marlies. So what we kind of talked about before being a potential solution to getting him games, having him do an AHL conditioning stint, looks like that's actually going to come to fruition, which makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, then they don't got to worry about trying to finagle the cap. Not saying that uh, that it's it's... You know, we're not going to see him in the NHL at some point. I think, you know, as I, I talk about later in the episode when I chatted with Scott and Laura, I think there's a, a possibility that we see this guy on Saturday uh, based on the way that, you know, the, the information is being passed to us. Because this game that he's playing against the Marlies, it's a 3 o'clock game. A 3 o'clock game today um, with the Marlies, and he's only playing half. I don't know why he's only playing half. But that's that's apparently what they're playing. So I'm going to actually play um, a sound clip here from Sheldon Keefe where he pretty much goes over all that and uh, gives an update on, on that on the Anderson situation. Today was an important day for him just uh, as his second practice, uh, second full practice uh, with us today to get through. Uh, all indications are that it went uh, well and he's feeling good. So with that being the case, uh, the plan is for him uh, tomorrow to go on a conditioning loan uh, to the Marlies, and he will play uh, half a game tomorrow uh, with the Marlies. I think they're playing tomorrow afternoon, and that's just a good way for him to you know, get himself back into it, and then things will be reassessed from there. So, yeah, half a game, and then they're going to reassess things from there. So I don't know why he's only playing half a game. Um but... Maybe there's a chance since it's a three o'clock start. You know, you give him half a game. He's done by four thirty, five o'clock. He shoots down from the Coca-Cola Coliseum or whatever the hell they're calling it these days um, down to Scotiabank Arena, and, and perhaps he's in the building um, and, and could back up Campbell 
for the game tonight. I, I don't know what the why they're only giving him half a game. It uh, doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but maybe this is their, their way of load management. They give him half a game now, and then maybe he gets a full game. Uh, the next game that they play him, I, I don't really know. That That's the information we were given by Sheldon Keefe. But what it does signal to us is that Freddie is healthy uh, and and is ready to play some games and uh, not ready maybe for the NHL yet, but they're going to get a look, give them a, a period and a half uh, against the the Manitoba Moose in this Marlies game, and then they'll reevaluate from there. So whether or not the next game after that's going to be a full AHL game or an NHL game, we're, we're going we're gonna to have to see. So you're going to have to make sure that you're subscribed to Locked On Leafs so I can update you on that information once we get it. We did get one more slight update, and that was on Nick Foligno, who came out of the game the other night uh, with an injury. We thought it was a lower body injury. turned out to be an upper body injury, and still... It's quite mysterious. Uh, you know, Sheldon Keefe, although came out today and said he's not going to play in the game against Montreal tonight, potentially won't play also on Saturday, so he can miss the next couple of games. Um, but didn't exactly say what the injury was, just said he's dealing with a lower body injury. So we're still a little bit in the dark as to what the injury is, but he's going to be reevaluated next week, and hopefully, uh, hopefully he'll be good to go. The good thing, I guess, is that they're calling it day-to-day. And, you know, when, when you get a, an interesting injury like that and upper body could mean a whole bunch of things. Um, so we're not really going to speculate. But the fact that they're giving it a day-to-day timeline as opposed to a indefinite or a weekly timeline um, or a we're just going to wait and see type deal, I think is like it gives me a little bit like I feel a little better about it and that he will be back. Um, preferably before the end of the season. But even if not, he should be ready to go by the playoffs, assuming that this isn't like a lingering, um, harsher injury than than we're kind of being led on to be, which I guess is possible, but let's cross our fingers and hope not. Uh, but that being said, so Felino is, is not going to be in the lineup. Joe Thornton is going to slide up according to uh, the practice lines. He's going to slide up, and he's going to uh, play on the top line with Matthews and Marner again. We'll see how that looks. Pierre Engvall checking back into the lineup as well. So he's going to play, and uh, Adam Brooks going to get the night off. And then also, uh, Stefan Nason getting an opportunity. So the nay season is here. He'll get a shot on the third line with McCabe and and uh and and Kerfoot. So that's going to be interesting to see how that looks tomorrow. I I can't say I expected to see him in uh, in the Leafs lineup, but here he is. So we'll get a look at him, uh, a new player, another body here for the Maple Leafs that was part of the Felino trade somewhat. Um so there's that All right, and uh, last little bit of Maple Leafs news here. Both Riley Nash and Zach Hyman also returning to the ice for practice today. Uh, There were no-contact jerseys, though, so uh, it doesn't look like they'll be returning tonight or on Saturday. I guess Saturday's not quite out of the question, but won't be in the lineup tonight. And I wonder, I'm curious, if maybe they could also get a conditioning stint with the Marlies before coming back. You know, Hyman's been out for a little bit, but Nash, he's been out longer 
um, since before the trade was even done. So I wonder if maybe uh, he would be open to doing a, a quick stint with the Marlies. I checked. They are technically on a homestand until March 12th. So there's a game in between now and March 12th, you know, a, a whole week. Uh, they're going to be here in Toronto. So, you know, the Maple Leafs may be an opportunity to to utilize that, that close-to-home AHL club to get some guys um, in some in-game action without having to thrust them into the NHL right away. So we know Anderson is going to make a start uh, against uh, for the Marlies uh, today. Perhaps maybe even Nash and Hyman over the next couple of days could end up getting a Marlies conditioning game in. Um, as for Felino, uh, right, just kind of day-to-day right now, and, and we'll wait and see and, and see what happens. Um, okay, real quick before I, I kind of get back into uh, into some Leafs talk with, with Laura and Scott, the New York Rangers situation is really unraveled here. So, I mean, we talked yesterday with uh, Frank Corrado, and if you haven't listened to that podcast, go back and listen to it. It was fantastic. We chatted a, 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 about a lot of different things um, from a, a lease perspective and just a hockey perspective. We had some great conversations, one of which being a discussion here about Tom Wilson and how the league um, ended up kind of dealing with it. And... Uh, as we were kind of chatting, there was a a statement that was sent out by the Rangers of them essentially saying that George Peros, the you know president of the uh, Department of Player Safety, is unfit to do his job. Well, 24 hours later, the Rangers actually fire their president and general manager Jeff Gordon and um, and John Davidson, both fired from the Rangers. Now. There's some conflicting reports as to why they were fired. Obviously, the first thing you think of is, well, clearly there was not a, uh, a f- they were not fans of the way that the league dealt with things and the way that the league or the team sent out that tweet. I mean, someone's head was going to roll for that. And, and I guess, you know, they kind of were the ones who fell on the sword. And that was kind of the first thing that, that I assumed as well. But then there was a report from Frank Saravalli of TSM saying uh, that apparently Gordon and Davidson tried to scurry away before the tweet hit the presses. And apparently they weren't even aware that this was happening and that this tweet kind of came down from ownership, we're being led to believe. And after it came out, they tried to distance themselves from the tweet, from the situation. And um, that... that, I guess there's an issue here with ownership and with your president of of hockey operations and your GM, and they're not seeing eye-to-eye. And apparently these two things were not connected Uh, because then afterwards Darren Dreger came out and said, Yes, I know, you know, just like you guys, I also thought that this obviously had to do with one another. But apparently he was they were going to be on the, the chopping block anyways because ownership had felt that they underperformed this year. Look, I, I think that's actually like just like complete BS, like absolute complete BS. There's there's that may be that may be what ownership thought, but you don't fire your your GM and your president three days into the game. Like or three days to go in the season. That just that's that doesn't happen. You know what I mean? So this clearly had something to do with it, and um, we'll see what kind of follow comes. Chris Drury was named the general manager going forward for the team. Uh, he's going to be president and general manager. 
but if 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 they really fired them because they felt that the team underachieved, I think that's just lunacy. This is a team that two years ago came out and said that they were um, going to take a step back and go through a bit of a rebuild here, and that's not what like you do. You don't two years later go ahead and fire a team for underperforming. Right? Like they went through a rebuild. They got lucky, got a couple of draft picks. They signed Artem Panarin. And I understand there was there was some expectation for this team to maybe make the playoffs, but they're in a real solid division. Like you got Washington, Pittsburgh, uh, the Islanders, you've got um, uh, Boston all in this division today. And it, it's, it's absolutely insane to expect for like this entire. Uh, it's insane to expect for them to make the playoffs or bust or they were going to have their job taken away from them. And I apologize if I seem like I am, uh, I'm not paying attention or my mind is elsewhere. It somewhat is. Uh, I'm watching the Rangers and Washington game right now as I record. And this was about the fourth fight in the opening five minutes. And there's five or six guys sitting in the box right now. This one I just watched between Lars Eller and Ryan Strom. There was three right at the beginning of the game. Um, you know, right from puck drop, all three forwards dropped the mitts. There was another fight uh, a couple moments later when Tom Wilson finally hit the ice. Brendan Smith runs at him, drops the mitts, and starts wailing on him. Um, I would say Tom Wilson, as expected, got the, you know, got the W, but there's already 72 penalty minutes in this game, and we're not even five minutes in. Four minutes and 14 seconds into the game, there's already 72 penalty minutes, and there's been, what, five fights? Six fights. Six fights already. We're five minutes into the game. Like, this is what happens when uh, when when the league doesn't police the game. The players feel they need to take it into their own hands, and clearly the Rangers said, fine, we'll do it ourselves, we'll police the game ourselves, we'll make a mockery of this thing, and we're just going to be fighting all night long. This isn't over, and it's it's going to be interesting how this all ends up finishing. Like, I'm legitimately watching this game live as I have this conversation with you, and watching these guys drop the mitts and fight. Like, we're not even five minutes in. There's already been four times I've had to stop the game because of fights. It's absolutely insane. And and, and this all coming in, like, within a 24-hour window where this, this, you know, they come out and say it's ridiculous that the league didn't suspend him. George Peros is unfit to, to, to be the, the, the head of Department of Player Safety. It's not keeping people safe. And, uh, you know, we have, we're going to take things into our own hands. And all of a sudden, the general manager and the the president are fired. And then a few hours later, puck drop for this game. And it's been mayhem five minutes in. Absolutely um, insane. And it's not over. I, I wouldn't doubt if, if we see like a record when it comes to, to penalty minutes in the modern era. Obviously, you know, the, the 70s and, and 80s were, were quite ridiculous with not even line brawls, but like full on bench clearing brawls but i hope we don't see that in this game but man the tension in there it feels like it's going to be and what's so weird about it is there's no like you can't really be there they have some fans in new york at madison square garden but not a whole lot like and and you already can just feel it feel the tension through the tv screen though how much tension there is in this game and how things are 
definitely going to go south. Like I just saw a defenseman just send the puck up ice and, and, and the Ranger four took a run at him, like made sure he finished his check. We're going to see every single check in this game on both sides get finished. And this is going to be, it's happening now. I'm watching it live. It's insane. I'm going to stop doing that because, uh, Let's let's get let's get <laughs> so I can watch the rest of this game. But at the end of the day, I think that it's absolutely crazy. This whole New York Rangers um, saga that's happened over the course. I mean, really, this entire season. I mean, you had the the Anthony Delan- D- or Tony D'Angelo stuff happen earlier. Um, the whole coaching staff got COVID. Then they had to have like uh, you know Knobloch came up. He had to coach a game, and you had the Artemi Panarin political stuff. There were some sexual assault allegations. And now you've got, uh, you know, the the Tom Wilson Panarin incident last night, and then you come out, you fire your GM and your coach, or your GM and your president, and then a couple hours later, all mayhem is breaking loose in this game. It's, man, it's been a a tough, tough season for the 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 New York Rangers. Um, but let's uh, let's turn the page on that one. I'm sure we'll be talking about this a little more on tomorrow's podcast. But before I do. Um, We'll take a quick break, and when I return, I got a conversation here that I recorded with uh, Scott Matla and Laura Saba from Locked On Canadians, where we tee up tonight's game and uh, talk about the game the other night and what to expect in this upcoming two-game series, uh, both tonight and again on Saturday. And we'll do that all when we return here on the Locked On Lease podcast. Stocks, beams, rocket ships, day trading can be a lot of fun, but if you want to grow your long-term wealth and make it to the moon, you should open up a Wealthfront investment account today. Investing can be complicated, but whether you're a beginner or you've been investing for years, Wealthfront makes it easy. They have the right tools for every portfolio. Wealthfront is trusted with over $20 billion of assets, and you can get your first 5000 managed for free by going to wealthfront.com slash locked on NHL. All you need is 500 get started. Grow your wealth in an easy way and let Wealthfront do the work for you. To get your first 5,000 managed free for life, go to wealthfront.com slash locked on NHL. That's W E L T H F R O N T.com slash locked on NHL to start growing your savings. Go to wealthfront.com slash locked on NHL and get started today. So we are here with Locked On Leafs, Mikey DiStefano. Mike, before we jump into I mean, everything we're talking about, I guess we'll talk about the last game. How are you, and how is Leafs Nation doing after uh, their last game against the Canadians? Uh, I mean, me, myself, I'm doing okay. But, uh, you know, the game against the Habs the other night didn't quite turn out as, as well as I think uh, a lot of Leafs Nation hoped it would. And I think you guys could also admit that I think Toronto probably outplayed and should have won that game. But, you know, some missed opportunities uh, in, in overtime. There was that 2-1-0 on where they didn't even get a shot off, which was embarrassing. Tavares hit the post, and then, uh, you know, Cole Caulfield, kid's got an unbelievable shot, so you can't even be mad about that. But I think the Leafs had more than ample uh, opportunities to win that game. But for whatever reason, uh, Montreal, they've got something to fight for, and they fought back their way into that game, scoring the final minute to bring it to overtime. And, uh, you know, the, the puck was just going going your way last time so I, I i think toronto though will uh will come back and be a little more prepared this time around it's funny because i watched the start of the game and laura and i talk about this all the time is that 
what does the eye test show? What are the stats show? And I looked at the first period and I went, it seemed like the Canadians had some pretty good chances. Toronto did too, but it feels like Montreal's right there. I looked at the numbers and they got hammered at five on five, which is usually uh, their strength, even against teams like Toronto. Monday was one of those weird games where it felt like you said, Toronto had every opportunity probably should have walked out of that bill out of that game with two points in one way or the other. And it was the pesky Canadians team kind of taking it to him. Jake Allen was incredible. He's been worth every penny. And even with Shima Weber out, Thomas Tatar out, Carey Price out, all these pieces missing, uh, the Canadians managed to keep pace with a Leafs team that is clicking so well right now. And I think what impressed me the most is even with uh, Timothy Lilligren and Rasmus Sandin, who don't have a ton of NHL experience, the Leafs defense looked the most solid that I think we've seen it in ever a long time ever. Maybe <laughs> I'm not quite sure. Yeah, no, definitely. Like the, the Leafs D look a lot better and it's not even just the guys who are actually playing on defense, but as a team, they're just buying in a lot more. And, and you could see that like Montreal didn't get many good opportunities. Like they, they had a couple of chances um, where Campbell had to make some nice saves, but ultimately Toronto does a really good job of keeping teams to the outside. They're not allowing you to get up into the kitchen and get into the slot and get those high danger chances. And that's been a massive recipe for success. And the reason why I think Jack Campbell has been a kind of a revelation this season is because, you know, he hasn't faced a whole lot of pressure because the team defense has come up large in a lot of games this year. Uh, Laura, I got to ask you, what did you see on Monday that what is your big takeaway from that game? I guess before we kind of dig further into uh, what we expect coming up uh, in the next couple games here. Well, it's exactly like you both said, the Leafs really were playing a very tight defensive game. They were able to kind of keep the Canadians out of it keep them to the perimeter. So what I was impressed by is that the Canadians didn't wilt and they, what they did was they capitalized on their opportunities because when you're a team that's up against a team that is better than you or has more skill than you or is faster than you, your best bet is always going to be to capitalize on any kind of mistake that they make or any opportunities that you get. So I was really impressed with the Canadians. What they called it after the game was resilience. Uh, I also think a bit of creativity was involved and they got lucky, right? The, the Leafs really didn't do well in that overtime and the Canadians were able to come out on top. And I'm, I'm hoping that in the next game, they're able to kind of continue that. If they're not able to stay toe-to-toe with the, with the Leafs, at least try and capitalize on opportunities. Question for you guys, follow-up. You talk about how the Leafs didn't play well in, in overtime and some unlucky uh, puck movement. When, they were, when Marner and Matthews are going in on that 2 on 0 breakaway, were you ready just to turn the TV off knowing, oh, that's probably going to be a goal? Because I was. <laughs> and then I was shocked when they didn't even get a shot on goal. They just got too pretty. They tried to give up. Like, I thought that the pass back to Marner was a little too much. I thought that Matthews should have shot at that point because they were pretty much getting to, like, the face-off dot. And then it went back to Marner. And then Marner, for whatever reason, tried to get it back to, to Matthews, maybe tried for a, a, a backdoor tap-in but uh, unable to get a piece of it. And, and it was just a, a wasted opportunity. And then a couple minutes later, Caulfield uh, able able to score because he did this weird thing where it's called shooting the puck. And, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the Leafs lost the game. It, it's funny because all I've heard is this really insane discourse around the overtime that it's like, well, the Canadians played not to lose. And it's like, but but they won. Like, <laughs> 
I, I don't know why anyone would expect them to try and play run and gun against a team that can throw out Matthews and Marner yeah, and throw out Tavares and Gauchenyuk and Nylander and Kerfa and Mikheyev, these guys who can play with speed when the Canadians lack the foot speed on defense. Like they played to their strength. I, when they went the other way to on all, I'm like, well, they got the extra point, you know, <laughs> it, it is what it is. It's not great. And then they missed. And I went, what world have I woken up in today that that didn't go in? Because this year, Jake Allen has faced a two on O against Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews at separate points in time. And both players have failed to get a shot off on that. And I'm like, <laughs> what kind of voodoo doll does Jake Allen have that he managed to pull this off? Living rent uh, free in their heads, I guess. Jake, the snake, just <laughs> pulling out some voodoo. It's and he's going to have to be huge. Um, and I guess leading into our next thing here is. What do you expect, I guess, from the games uh, Thursday, which is the time that everyone will hear this after the Habs have played the Senators, and Saturday, like, Toronto's clinched a playoff spot. I assume they're probably going to be resting people, and if Montreal has, you know, if they've managed to put some more space in there between them and Calgary, even more space, I guess, we might see the Marlies playing the Rocket in some way, (laughs) shape, or form, uh, more so than they already are, right? Um, maybe perhaps, but like the, the Leafs are kind of decimated with a couple of injuries right now. So I knew if they can really afford it, um, to, to kind of rest guys, they, they, you know, kind of just have to play the, the roster players who aren't, you know, on, on who don't dress every night. So we know that, uh, Felino is, is not going to play. He's, he's day to day, uh, not going to play Thursday, potentially could play on Saturday, but most likely not going to. So, I mean, that's one roster spot that, that you're going to have to play somebody. Um, and I think right now they're going to put Felino in and then Engvall is going to draw back into the lineup, um, kind of in that spot for him. So, you know, we'll see what ends up happening. I, I think, uh, what's interesting to me is, is whether or not, Anderson gets the the Saturday game to me. That's the one that I want to see happen because they've decided that they're going to play him in half a game, half an AHL game uh, tomorrow <laughs> afternoon on Thursday. Um, and then from there, see how he feels. And then if he feels good, they might play him on Saturday and, and get him that game against the Canadians <laughs> on Saturday. So, <laughs> I, I, that's what I'm looking forward to most in this in this next upcoming couple of games is is do we actually get to see Freddie Anderson? I think that there's a good chance we could. I, I suppose my next question is off of that because these teams might be destined to play in round one. It's Jack Campbell's net, right? Like, or are they going to go, well, Freddie's the incumbent or was before he got hurt. We're going to give him a shot. Like if he, if Anderson plays one game in the playoffs and he's terrible, are are they switching it up or is it Jack Campbell's net to lose now? No, I, I yeah, like I think this is definitely Campbell's net to lose. Game one, you got to roll with with Jack Campbell, especially since he's the team that's, you know, really got the he's got back up and running. I mean, I think at one point when he went through his little three game spill after winning a record setting eleven straight to begin the year, um, there was some doubt kind of creep up into Leafs Nation about whether or not we maybe. Uh, anointed this guy as a starter a little too early. But to be honest, uh, the last few games, he's 
played well. And, and the game the other night against Montreal, I thought he made some really key stops too. And he has shown that he can be a starter in this league. And, and he's good enough to win a lot of games. He's, what, 15-2-1 this year? Like, if he was starting for this team the whole season, he very well could be in the Vesna race. So, And then you couple that the fact that Anderson hasn't played since March. And even he, if he gets one game in between uh, now and, and the end of the season... Are you comfortable to play him knowing that he does have those playoff demons that he's yet to exercise here in Toronto? So I think that certainly you're right. This is this is Campbell's job to lose, but but I don't know if he has as long a leash as like most starters would have. If you know they struggle game one, game two, and, and he just can't uh, live up to, to the, the playoff atmosphere and allow some shaky goals or they lose 5-3 or something like that. I don't, I wouldn't be shocked if they're pretty quick to, to pull the trigger and put Anderson back in there. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for your auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and to choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, price at Rock Auto are always reliably low and the same for the professionals as the do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or your truck and write locked on on their how'd you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts a car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA and the NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online as you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. It, it's funny that we talk about goalies coming back from injury, too, because Carey Price uh, is yeah. not going to Ottawa. And tonight, uh, or he'll be back for the Toronto games, apparently, whether he's the starter or not. Uh, So we might have Anderson and Price on Saturday night after not seeing either for the better part of what a month, a month and a half now. Yeah. Wouldn't that be something eh? like after these, both of these goaltenders who've been the, the rocks for these teams for, for, you know, Anderson, the last five, six years and, and price, obviously the last decade. And uh, the fact that the last little bit during this whole final stretch here, they've been inexistent. They haven't been around the team. They've been injured. And now as the, the playoffs start to come, you know, now they're coming back, knocking on the door. Hey, we're still around. We're still around. I think it's a different situation, though, when it comes to – maybe you guys can tell me differently, but, like, I think Carey Price has the, the respect from everybody that when he's ready to go, he's getting the net back, regardless of how well Jake Allen has played. Or maybe I'm incorrect on that basis, but as an outsider, that's how I would feel about that. Whereas Anderson, I, I think that he he hasn't earned that respect, and, and Jack Campbell's going to have to lose it for him to get the net back. Oh, absolutely. Carey Price is the guy in Montreal, whether he's playing well or not playing well. And that's that's not a knock on Anderson. He was told his role. He's been happy with his role. He's, you know, even in interviews, he'll say when Carey's back or something like that. He, it's very clear what's going on. And 
for me, I'm I'm just curious <laughs> about the half a game in the AHL because <laughs> Carey Price is never going to be doing that. Like that's not happening. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean that that was uh, a surprise that we heard today. There was some speculation that that the way to get Anderson uh, playing some games because he came out about a week ago and did a media availability which led us to believe that he'll be back sooner rather than later. I think at one point we just assumed he wasn't going to be back until the playoffs due to him being on LTIR. But a way to kind of get around that and get him some game action, which he wants, is to do an AHL conditioning stint. I don't know why they came out and said he's going to play half a game. Uh, The only thing I can think of is, like, is there a possibility that he could potentially be backing up Campbell tomorrow night? Because the game is in Toronto with the Marlies. It's a 3 o'clock start. He plays half the game. It's like 4.30, maybe 5 o'clock at that point. Does he like rip down to the Scotiabank Arena and get suited up and be with the big club and maybe back up uh, Campbell? Like that would be the only explanation <laughs> I could have for him playing half a game. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Wouldn't it he's be something act- though? He's like walking up <laughs> in his full gear and then just like <laughs> comes on. Oh, he takes a, the ice. He's still got his Marley's jersey on for warmups and everything. Like, I'm here, guys. I'm here. I'm here. Uh, Freddie, Freddie, uh, Freddie, Freddie. You got it. Sweater, sweater, bud. Come on. Come on. Oh, dang it. I, what I think Toronto should do is stack David Riddick on yeah. top of Jack Campbell on top of Freddie Anderson and play like a Megatron of goalies just because why not? Why You've already not? clinched a playoff spot. Why not get weird with it, right? You just you just scratch two defensemen and you play three goalies. As a team who desperately, I'm assuming, is trying to uh, muster up as many wins here down the stretch so that you can play Edmonton instead of Toronto, I'm guessing you would love that. Um, and speaking of, I guess, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth here. Is Would Edmonton be the preferred opponent over Toronto? Um, I yes. That, yeah, okay, they would yes. be, right? And, and I think that that's what makes this really interesting about these these you know final couple of matchups down the stretch like Toronto there's not much to play for and I think that you know Sheldon Keefe would be would be smart to do some some maintenance here um, like you brought up earlier they could do some maintenance days but what I think he's done pretty well over the last week or so is more so balancing out the minutes you don't see the Matthews and the Marners playing the 23 24 minutes a game like they saw earlier in the year instead they're only playing like 15 16 17 minutes on a, on a big busy night and then they're allowing their third and fourth line to to kind of get some more minutes and that's their way of kind of uh, balancing out the the um you know how much they're playing these guys and i wonder if if you know a combination of those things and you got montreal who desperately wants to win they have something to play for if that gives them that edge over toronto because that's kind of what it seemed like in the play in in uh you know the final minute the other night right like montreal had something to play for that extra point is huge for you guys down the stretch. And these next two games are big for you guys as you're currently tied with the Winnipeg Jets going going into um, tonight's game since, shocker, we're recording this the night before. Um, but I am I really think that Montreal is going to be a tough opponent these next couple games because there's something to play for for you guys. And it seems like the last few games as you've come out of your slump that you went into a little bit, um, there's a lot more heart and effort coming out from the Montreal end. It's the, team... the cliche, isn't it? It's it's any last seed that makes the playoffs, they've been in playoff mode for the last few weeks, right? Like you hear it every single season. We did not expect this to happen in this particular division in this particular year, especially before, you know, when we talked about it early in the season or before the season started, 
but they found themselves in this situation as well. So I feel like it's not just that they're going to be a tough opponent in the next few games. They're going to be that first round opponent. That's going to be really difficult to beat just because they've been playing for their lives the last few games. And you know what? I don't hate it, but to answer your question that you asked with the beginning of this, of this particular topic, Edmonton is definitely the preferred matchup because they're far less deep than Toronto. Like you got to contain Edmonton, you got to contain Drysaitel. Which Montreal, you guys have done a pretty good job at doing that this year too. Like they haven't really had their. He hasn't had his way with Montreal. I feel like he has had with a lot of other teams in the division. Yeah, it's we don't understand it because like <laughs> they keep McDavid off the score sheet and then get dunked on by like Chris Tierney the next night. Like it, the <laughs> just the absolute oddest team. Uh, I guess before we go here, uh, predictions for the two game series, I feel like they're going to split Toronto might win on Thursday night. And then um, depending on what happens with the flames, the Canadians are going to uh, you're going to against a more rested Toronto team, I guess, or resting some of their starters. Montreal's going to squeak one of these two games. I think at this point, yeah, I think uh, I, I think I'll agree with you. I think I see a split uh, coming here just because, you know, they're just uh, Toronto at this point. Their main objective isn't to. I'm sure they want to. They want to win, but their main objective is to stay healthy. And um, if if that means sacrificing uh, a little bit of gamer in them and resting some guys and and getting some other players some some time on ice and that gives Montreal an edge so be it but I, I think that you're right it'll probably end up being a, a series split like we said stay healthy we want the playoffs to be fun for both teams because I don't think anyone wants any more injuries or any injuries at all uh Mikey thank you so much man hey man anytime anytime and hey I mean, if this is how how the standings end right now, we might be uh, doing a couple more of these crossovers in a couple of weeks from now. Yeah, the playoffs <laughs> are right around the corner, folks. Yep. All right, that's going to do it, folks. Hopefully you enjoyed that conversation with Scott and Laura. Make sure you go follow them at Locked On Canadians if you enjoyed that. And if you are in air, enemy territory and you like the Habs, um, you can go follow them, but uh, be sure to check out the game tonight. Puck drop at 7 o'clock. You can catch it on TSN 2, TSN 4. TSN 1050 has the radio call as well with Joe Bowen and Jimmy Ralph on the call. Uh, that's going to do it for me here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Locked On Leafs podcast on all podcasts and platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show at Locked On Leafs. I'll be back with another episode tomorrow night. We're going to be recapping the game against the Les Canadiens. But until then, keep locked right here on Locked On Leafs.